to expect a calling from the king. Yesterday, though, an embassy had arrived from Tassali, a kingdom in the east which, in ancient times, had once been under the suzerainty of the Heptarch of Corfu. That meant little. All seven parts of the world had once been ruled by the Heptarchy, and Tassali had been free of Corfu for a thousand years. Prekeptor, the only prince and heir presumptive of Tassali, a sixteen-year-old boy, had come with an array of high-ranking Tassaliki and very expensive gifts. From this information, Patience had already concluded the obvious, that the embassy was there to conclude a marriage treaty with one of King Oryx's three daughters. The dowry had no doubt been negotiated a year ago, before the embassy set out. One does not send a royal heir to meet the bride until most of the details of the treaty are set. But Patience could guess easily enough that one remaining point of negotiation was bound to be the question. Which daughter? Lyra, the eldest daughter, fourteen years old and second in line to the Heptarchy? Rika, who was only a year younger than Patience, and easily the brightest of the Heptarch's children? Or the baby, Clea, now only seven years old, but certainly old enough to be married off if politics demanded it? Patience could think of only one task she might perform in connection with this visit. She was fluent in Tassalik, and she seriously doubted that Prince Prokeptor spoke a word of Agaranth. They were quite provincial in Tassali and clung to their dialect tenaciously. If a meeting were to take place between Prokeptor and one of Oryx's daughters, Patience would be an excellent interpreter. And since Clea was an unlikely candidate— and Rika could speak passable to Salik. It was most likely that the chosen daughter was Lyra. All this reasoning took place while Patience pulled on her silk chemise. She turned to face Angel then and smiled. I'm to be the interpreter between Prokeptor and Lyra when they meet today so they can decide whether they detest each other so much it is worth causing an international quarrel to avoid being married. Angel smiled. It seems the most likely thing. Then I must dress to take part in an official meeting between future sovereigns. Would you call Nails and Calico to me? I will, said Angel, but he stopped at the door. You must realize, he said, that Perceptor will know who you are. It was a warning, and Patience understood very well that King Oryk was playing a dangerous game, putting her in the middle of a political situation so closely involved with royal succession, especially with father away. Oryk must have planned this for some time, to have father away on such a trivial matter. Ordinarily, Lord Peace would have been at the heart of the negotiations over such a vital alliance. Nails and Calico her dressing-maids, came in, trying to seem light and cheerful, when obviously they had been aroused from deep, and in Calico's case, drunken slumber. Patience selected her gown and wig, and endured their ministrations as they turned her into a poppet. "'Called to the king,' Nails kept saying. "'What honor for a daughter of a slave!' It was annoying to have her father called a slave over and over again, but she knew that Nails was not being malicious, merely stupid. And as father always said, never be angry when fools behave like fools. It's better when fools identify themselves, Patience reminded herself. It removes so much uncertainty.
When the women were finished, the sun was just coming up. She dismissed them and opened the small brass case that contained the diplomatic equipment Father and Angel had decided she was old enough to use discreetly. For self-defense, a loop, of course. It was a long strand of incredibly strong plastic, so fine that it was almost invisible. It could cut through flesh with only a little pressure. It had knobs of plastic on both ends so patients could grasp it without slicing off her fingers. And for attack, a glass pendant which contained a swarm of pinks, almost invisibly tiny insects that homed in on human eyes and in a matter of minutes would build honeycomb nests that always resulted in blindness within hours. If the eyes were not removed quickly, the pinks would bore through to the brain and cause chronic permanent palsy, a vicious weapon.